0: Hi, Mason, and this is The Friday Show. City have spent another week breaking records, whilst Arsene Wenger, Jose Mourinho, and their ilk have spent another week making themselves look like the irrelevant dinosaurs that they are. Joining me to pour scorn over those who pour scorn over City's achievements, I've got Mr. Sam Lee. Welcome, mate.
1: Yeah, hello. Uh, probably the right man for it. Absolutely. I mean, you, know how, you know how I can be in, in these kind of moods, in these kind of situations. So, yeah, let's, let's, let's get cracking. Absolutely. Well, listen... I'm going to fire a line first. Well, I'm going to start... With Mr. Arsene Wenger, and mm.
0: I've got my own opening question, which is what is this guy's problem? I mean, have you seen this morning's press conference comment that he's made?
1: Yeah, I saw I saw JPB's tweet um about the, the petrol. Exactly. Exactly. Do you want to read the quote out just
0: for those who haven't uh, uh or do you want me to read
1: no, it? No, out? no, no, I can I couldn't remember it. Well, it was basically they have no, we have ideas, they have ideas and petrol. Voila. That was the gist of it.
0: We have no petrol but ideas. They have petrol and ideas. So, uh, what is what is Wenger's problem? I mean, we're not playing Arsenal this weekend, and the last I checked, Guardiola hadn't had a pop at Wenger for anything. I'm a bit baffled by his uh, by his kind of random having a go. Um.
1: Well, I mean, he's always had a bee in his bonnet, hasn't he? he I think. Was it not him who coined the phrase financial doping? Indeed it was. Um, so, I mean, he's always had a bee in his bonnet about that. And I think it's um, probably born out of that. But, I mean, the th- the thing that – my my point of view on this is – I mean, the other, like, the other thing with Wenger is he won't be happy about the fact that he thought they could just shrug off shit he's interested in, in Alexis Sanchez and everything would carry on as normal. And clearly it hasn't. So he's probably annoyed about that as well. Um, and – He reckons Sterling dived as well in the last game. So he's probably bitter about that as well. But my take on the whole city money thing is well, especially Wenger's comment and the comments seem to have come out more and more in the last week about how, you know, it it all seems to have gone back to the takeover in 2008. Yeah. It's like, well, City, you've spent the last eight or nine years not breaking records, not dominate in English football, you know, not being the best team in the country. Exactly. Um you if if City had have broken the win record, you know, fifteen consecutive wins immediately after the takeover, then, you know, I could I could see there I could see there being more of an argument to that. And I mean, yeah, obviously City wouldn't be in this position position were it not for the takeover. I think that's something that everyone will accept. But I just think that now they're they're use they're using the funds in a, in a way that actually you know, is, is is working. And we've there's so many examples of teams having money and spending it, but not getting the results and not getting the performances that people assume goes hand in hand with having money. Um, it just so happens that now, now City have got it right. It's all gone back to the takeover eight or nine years ago, which nobody was mentioning. You know, when City haven't been winning the league or, you know, were going out of the FA Cup in the last few years. It's just, it just seems like a convenient thing to bring up now. And as you say at the start, it just seems like it's just a way of kind of playing down city's achievements.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I just I think that the the entire I mean I I went on this rant on yesterday's podcast, so I won't do it again. But just very briefly, uh, for me, what what kind of bothers me is that city's sudden these records that we're breaking suddenly everybody wants to caveat with caveat it with yeah, but they've spent loads of money, and the thing that bothers me is that when Arsenal broke records, they'd spent loads of money. And nobody said, ah, but they spent loads of money. Everybody just said, that's amazing. And it feels like, yeah, I mean, to me, it just feels like there's this weird kind of double standard where everybody, with the with the exception of Leicester, everybody who's won the Premier League, everybody who's broken Premier League records has spent an awful lot of money to do it. It's just the way it goes. You, you have to do that to to achieve those things. So to caveat City's achievements with the money thing, whereas to not do it with anybody else, yeah, it's just a double standard and, and it it bothers me. But anyway.
1: Yeah, and I think the main difference is City aren't just top. City are absolutely smashing it and that's not just because of money, that's because of Guardiola, basically. Because you, because you could spend all this money and you could have the same squad, but there's no guarantees they'd be playing the same football. Well, they wouldn't be playing the same football. They probably wouldn't be 11 points clear. Exactly,
0: exactly. And that's why, you know, I mean... I had a I, I had a a discussion with uh with Sachin from the from the Guardian yesterday and that's more or less what I was saying to him that he he I said to him the money's irrelevant and he immediately started kind of, you know, becoming very sort of uh I guess yeah, just very emotional about the fact that well you can't have like, you know, you can't say money's not relevant because you got Kyle Walker on the bench and he costs 50 million. It's like, no, no, you don't get it. The money's irrelevant what Guardiola is achieving right now because our squad was worth hundreds of millions two years ago when Pellegrini was was running it and we weren't breaking records then so talking specifically about what's going on right now, it's not about the money, the the current achievements the current style of play, what's happening is not a money thing it's a Guardiola thing and I think for a lot of people they want it to be a money thing because (laughs) the alternative is that they've got to give Pep the credit that he deserves Uh, anyway Next opening question is from AK ninety three City, and he asks: Is a left back as pressing as a centre back in January?
1: Uh, no, just because I, when I asked the other week, they said centre backs the priority. Okay. Um, but well, the, the thing is, what I was told after this was after the Shakhtar game. I'd have mentioned it on air. Uh, the first Shakhtar game, yeah. Um, was in January they want, and this was yeah this was the week Mendy got injured that they, they want a left back a centre back and Alexis, um, but I mean it, I think the Alexis plans, if, well I think they obviously depend on a few different factors, and whether Arsenal will sell obviously which was obviously the big problem in the summer for so long, um, so I'm I'm not entirely sure on the left back situation at the moment and um, what I thought would be good to do yesterday was put out the centre-back stuff just to kind of stem the tide of people going, oh, when are you going to do something? Like, literally one bloke DMing me every day. He's probably listening to this. Because I kept saying, like, it was, oh, when are you going to do something? I was like, oh, hopefully soon. And he was out of the blue one day, he was like, oh, right, when soon? Because that could mean tomorrow, could mean next week, could mean next month. I was like, mate, I'll have it when I have it. All right. And so I thought, right, it's a, good, it's a good opportunity to do it. Two weeks before the window opens, we'll put out the two centre-back targets. or so, you know, the main considerations, I think it's pretty much Van Dyke. And then we'll go from there, basically. Um, but obviously, there, there is no respite, is there? And as soon as you put one, one piece of information up, it's, what about the next one? What about the next one? So, yeah, I'm trying to find out about the left back. Okay. And I would assume that well, what they're weighing up with Van Dyke is, Van Dyke and Martinez, it's Van Dyke can come in straight away, they think, and plug all the gaps. And they're not sure if Martinez will adapt so quickly. But I wouldn't be surprised if they don't mind so much with the left back and if they can get one. Um, they can get one who who is a bit more junior and maybe would take a bit of the time to adapt and just have a body there. Mm. Because it's a bit of an awkward situation, really, because when Mendy comes back, the guy's kind of going to know that he's not going to play an awful lot. Yeah. And, and also, if you do spend the money to get Van Dijk, we don't know exactly how much it's going to be, then there won't be so much money for a left-back. But I do think a left-back's in consideration, but to answer the original question, um, as far as City are concerned, then the centre-back is the priority this month
0: or mm. next month. Okay.
1: Do you think that
0: um do you think that Delph's kind of adaptation to that role has made a left back? Do you, I guess what I'm trying to get at is do you think that maybe 2 months ago when Mendy goes down mm. everybody goes left back is an immediate January priority and that Yeah, f-
1: well I, th- I I think now you don't need a great left back. You just need a body basically because I mean Delph's done well to get this get this far you know like i don't think he's gone through a period of fitness this long in his time at city or indeed in his last couple of years at villa so he's done well to get this far and i think yeah the main consideration now is probably get another body in or somebody who can play left back um and yeah two months ago it was probably we're really going to need somebody who can who can do a really good job but obviously they found that and yeah now they probably just need a body
0: okay cool um
1: well look towards
0: the end of the podcast we'll uh we'll come back to transfers and we can have a little chat about van dyke um but I want to get into, I want to start, I mean, it's been another long week uh, and there's so much that has happened in City World. Um, before we get into Swansea, I'm sorry I didn't put this on the agenda, but I uh, just want to ask you very briefly. Uh, I read this morning Mourinho's been asked to clarify comments that he made before the derby. Um, yeah. Is that, it, that feels a little oddly late, if that makes sense, in that, that, that press conference he did last Thursday or friday th- those comments have been around for eight days, and it feels like it's taken a week for the f a to go. You've got to explain those. Do you think he'll end up being charged?
1: um I, th- I saw somebody tweet that they expect him to get a warning uh, but I mean, I I don't know, how many, I don't know how many say exactly I don't know how many separate warnings he's on. maybe it's four. I mean maybe one's for like touchline behavior. And then there's another one for press conference behaviour, but yeah, I mean, if it is a warning, then you think it is a bit odd because, or maybe the the other warnings have expired, but or I, I'm sure he has like sus- like suspended bans or whatever, or he's had bans, or you know he's had like a two match touchline ban with one with one match suspended or something. I don't know, but uh, yeah, we'll have to see. I, I don't know why it's so late. I mean, maybe I'm trying to think of the precedent. I'm trying to remember how long it's taken the FA in the past, and I, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head to be honest
0: yeah no it just feels a bit it just feels a little uh a little tardy to be uh uh to be charging him or asking him to clarify a comment seven or eight days after he made it and the reason that I kind of asked you the question is because actually I I've got a sneaking suspicion that when City have been asked to clarify what's happened in the tunnel at Old Trafford somebody has gone are you not going to ask Mourinho about calling your you know calling the integrity of your officials into question again, which is more or less what he did. He said that City players dive and he said that City get decisions that, that other clubs don't get. And that's, you know, no matter how clever he tried to be about that comment, it was strange. And I'm glad that that somebody's going to take him to task on that. Um, okay, let's look back at Swansea. Thoughts on the performance, Sam?
1: Uh, they, were, they were really good without being really good. You know, they weren't anywhere near the top of their game. Mm-hmm. Um, but still very slick. Um, you know, a couple of a couple of times where like moves broke down, counter attacks and stuff. But yeah, they were they were they were slick and got the job done. And I mean, it, it is fair to say that Swansea were terrible. Like, they didn't do anything. Like they they didn't they didn't sit deep and defend. You know, to frustrate City, they didn't put any passes together. They couldn't. They didn't slash. Couldn't counter attack. Um, so it was one of those where they were terrible, but City were good and you know they had openings that that you know I'm sure they'd have been delighted to exploit because the the first 3-2-1 premier league wins there wasn't much space to exploit was there against united there was and they were a little bit sloppy um so I'm sure they'd have been delighted to get a bit more space on wednesday night and that yeah more often than not they they took advantage of it and some great individual performances as well silver in particular david silver bernardo think- was good as well but david silver was like excellent
0: yeah before we talk about silver do you I, you know what? Having reflected upon it, I think we, I think we played better against Swansea than
1: we did against United. Um, I, I don't. I I, mean, I just don't know. I mean, I'm not saying I don't know. as in I doubt it. I just, I just, I just don't know. Actually,
0: okay, because I think I think that our, I think that our passing and our movement in the final third was i thought that that swansea actually did a little bit of what um united did which is a little bit of what west ham did as well which is that they almost seemed unwilling to make a challenge it's almost as if they'd kind of been told when they get in and around the box don't don't make challenges because those they're just as dangerous from those free kicks and they win penalties dead easily. Um, mm. Where And I felt that against Swansea, yeah, I just felt the tempo and the passing was, uh, was better than it was uh, against United. Um, related to that, I saw that you tweeted something about Arteta coming in after the warm-up and saying something to Pep about the warm-up at Swansea. What was that?
1: Yeah, Guardiola just said in his press conference afterwards that Arteta came in and said, the warm up was really good. I can't remember the exact thing he said. Now was it? So I can't. Rem- I can't remember if it was kind of the the pep hyperbole best warm up I've ever seen from Arteta. Um, let me just have a quick look. <laughs> uh, Mikel Arteta came in after the warm up and said, "You cannot imagine how good they did the warm up." So yeah, there you go. Wow, okay. it's just they they're just kind of smashing everything at the moment, aren't they? They turn up, they warm up really well they win games and then they enjoy themselves afterwards. So they must be loving it at the moment.
0: Mm. Do you think that that's where, I'm going to go off on a tangent here, Sam, because I'd like your opinion on this. Do you think that's where Pep's magic lies? Do you think that outside of all of the coaching and all of the tactical stuff, the actual stardust that makes Guardiola different from everybody else is that for whatever reason, for Guardiola, Play the the mentality seems to get stronger with each passing game. It, does that make sense? What what I'm what I'm getting at here that there's like a there's a mental step that players take for Guardiola that you feel that they almost wouldn't wouldn't or couldn't take for anybody else.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I do. I do think that comes into. I don't necessarily think it's every game because if if they were to lose a game. I don't, it wouldn't all come crashing down. I think it's been built on, on, on other factors than that. And it, yeah. Well, in fact, Guardiola said the other day, you know, the way they, they all watch the Champions League draw together and, and that kind of thing. There's loads of different ways of, of building that mentality they've got at the moment. Um, but yeah. And I think you're right in terms of can other managers do that? Because I mentioned this on another podcast last night, um, and I'll mention it again now, Duncan Castles obviously did his article the other day. Again, I mean, obviously Mourinho and Castles' agenda is to kind of play down City's achievements. So not so much play it down, but just kind of tarnish it a bit with the tactical fouling and, and going down and stuff. And obviously one of the ways Castles tried to promote his article the other day on Twitter was every credit to the manager who can get David Silver to to foul like Sergio Busquets. But it's like, but, but so what? Like Mourinho you know, one of Mourinho's virtues has been, you know, he turned Eto into like a kind of, you know, right wing back kind of thing or, you know, a, a hard working kind of right sided forward in that inter-team. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of, you know, sacrificing himself for the for the team and, then, you know, that's the kind of job he, he gets people to do and he's been doing it with Martial and, you know, tracking back. So that's out of the ordinary but the thing is, that's kind of always been painted as sacrificing yourself for the team but, I kind of get the feeling that with Guardiola, it's, you're kind of sacrificing yourself for yourself. So he's not getting David Silva to go, oh, will you just make these tackles and then we'll be better? It's if will you make these tackles, but also he's still scoring more goals. You know, it's part of the overall thing. You know, he's, he's made the players more rounded. Like, and, you know, he's, they're not, he's not just fouling like Busquets. You know, he's, he's also, the thing that Castles and Mourinho are overlooking is the fact that City don't just win it back with tactical fouls. They win it back normally because they're well-positioned. Yeah. Um but yeah, yeah, you're right. And the whole the whole mentality thing is he's getting players like Silva to put in more tackles and score more goals and get more assists. And like all of the forwards have like at least seven or eight goals and at least like four or five assists. Silva's got more goals and assists. De Bruyne is obviously pulling strings from a bit further back, but he's getting the goals and assists. Everyone everyone's output has improved. They're doing not much more running, but I think a like lot more intelligent running, because you know the the way they're all positioned on the pitch, and I think that I think that's why everyone's so happy because they're they're all playing really well, they're enjoying it, and yeah, they're just they're i mean most surely all of them are playing the best football they've ever played,
0: yeah, yeah, you would i mean it looks like it, it certainly looks like it
1: um okay, I want to talk about
0: some individuals and 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 how they did before we talk about silver who who was incredible um i want to ask you about sterling do you think he's elevated himself to the same position as kdb uh, david Silverstones, stones aderson walker and fernandinho in that, if they're fit they their first names on the team sheet they never are rotated out or dropped
1: um yeah i could, I could see that especially you know his role against united and he. He wasn't you know, he was he was roaming a bit and dropping off and yeah, cropping up on different sides. I, I, if he's if he's got those kind of weapons that Guardiola needs, and obviously he knows he knows where to score the goals and where you know, where to be in the box, but also as we saw against Southampton, he can he can get important goals from outside the box and difficult angles. So yeah, that's a it's a good point. Okay. Um
0: Next up, because we didn't talk about him on the review yesterday, and a couple of people mentioned it, uh, Zinchenko's little cameo. Um, firstly, uh, I know it's a difficult question for you
1: to to answer. Do you think he has a future at City? Uh, um, I, I don't know. I'd kind of, I kind of be surprised. I mean, we haven't seen much of him at left back, and obviously, the other night was a good was a good time because it was like, well, Swansea aren't going to do anything, so go on and show you get on. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I'd I'd be surprised. I, I'm surprised he's actually around um, this season because I think I think the plan was when they signed him. I think it was just kind of one of those like talent hoarding things where they bring him in and then sell him on in a few years. But yeah. So you, I I, suppose, I, suppose, I mean to be honest, this this will tie in with what when I will try and find out about the left backs. Really, I'll, I'll get I'll I'll get a feel for how much they rate him. Excellent. Hopefully when I when I when I find out what they're going to do with with the left backs.
0: Okay. Excellent. Uh okay, let's talk about the majestic magician that is David Silva. Um what has Guardiola done to him? What's in fact what's happened to him this season because um I read out a stat yesterday which I don't have to hand which was basically more or less that he's been involved in more goals already this season than he was involved in in the entirety of last season yeah um so is the change a tactical one with with Silva or is it just a case of Guardiola's figured out how to get more out of him than anybody had done previously and following on from that is he a better player than he's ever been at any point in his career right now
1: yeah I think he is and I think it is tactical um, and it's tactical why Guardiola's getting the best out of him because you know for so long with City he you know if he didn't play you know, the whole team would kind of break down. And he would obviously set the tempo. But I think what they've got now is, you know, David Silva's not the main factor in that team. Yeah. You know, the the main factor for a City team is the whole shape and the players players knowing where to be and uh, when to be there and being technically good enough to carry that out. So I think Guardiola's tactic this year, well, in fact, he said it himself earlier in the season was... When Mendy was fit and he played a front three, they were basically three number nines to get in the box. Obviously, since Mendy's got injured, um, Sane provides the width. And it seems to me that David Silva's normally the one on the left touchline. Getting to the byline and cutting the ball back and there's normally two or three players in the box. So I think what Guardiola's worked on, having missed so many chances last year, is just getting the team as close to the goal as possible so they can't miss and that ties into what I said earlier about all of the forwards having at least seven or eight goals and all of them having assists as well because they've all got so close and David Silver is you know the most well he's the furthest forward of him and De Bruyne so he's in the box more he's the one who gets in behind and cuts the ball back so I think that's why he's got more assists and then you know often as we saw the other night there's a bit of a shift so I think his second goal the other night Sterling was Sterling was the one who was slightly wider of him. So Sterling got to the byline and cut it back and Silva was there for the for the little dink finish. So I think the main reason is yeah, Guardiola has worked out a way to get his you know, his talented attacking players so close to the goal that they can't really miss, which is why like seven or eight of Sterling's 13 14 goals have been tap And as a result of that, yeah, the the system is the most important thing now. Silva's not but as a result of that, you know, everyone else is performing really well. Um, Silva's performing even better because, yeah, you know, he's got more numbers to put up because if he passes to someone, chances are they're going to be five yards out and they can tap it in or he's five yards out and he can knock it in himself. So I think that's why his numbers have gone up. I think that's why his influence has gone up. And yeah, you've got a quality player who knows exactly what Guardiola wants. And as we've seen from Barca and Bayern, you know, what Guardiola wants is good and it works. And yeah, from apparently when Guardiola first came, it took David Silva one conversation to understand what he wanted. And, you know, on the training ground that summer, it took the players a lot of time to kind of get what Guardiola was after. But yeah, apparently it took David Silva one conversation. Okay. Um,
0: how long can Silva be as integral as he is this season? Like, So he's got on a contract now until 2020. Do you think that for the next three years, he can maintain that level that he's currently at?
1: Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess that what will help him, because I mean, as we've seen with like Torre, for example, you know, he's, he's just gone, hasn't he, basically?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, there's, a, there's a reason he's not playing every week. and It's not just Fernandinho. Um, but I think what will help Silver in that regard is that Bernardo should come on and he could, you know, he could play in... In that, well, he's he's been designed to play in that central role. Obviously, he's been used in the front three, but I think when they bought him, the intention was to use him in the middle. But it's just so difficult to dislodge those two. So I think as the years go on, I mean, next season you could just see David Silva playing the same amount of games. But you know, beyond that, what should help him is Bernardo Silva and and yeah, and presumably whoever else he get, and hopefully Phil Foden as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think basically at that age, it's just a question of keeping them fresh, but. Obviously, such an intelligent player. Um, yeah, as long as you can keep him fresh, then he's, I think he's always going to have that influence.
0: Mm. Do you think with the numbers that we've got, that it's unlikely that we buy in that position for the foreseeable future?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, you think in the summer it would be, the priority would be, as long as they get a centre-back in January, the priority will be the, the fen- de- uh, defensive midfielder. Yeah. Um I th- that was always the case last season I think we talked about that a lot in the summer um, they didn't they didn't look at anyone so when people talk about William Carvalho it was just never going to happen Yeah. Um, because the plan was always to look for somebody this summer coming up so I think yeah that'll be the priority and then um, yeah, there's rumblings of Danilo being unhappy that is something I heard last week but I asked somebody else and they said no he's fine so I didn't do anything with it but obviously that's come out in the sun so there's obviously rumblings going around um, Did Martin the- write that story? Uh, no, um, I don't know if he did. I, I don't know, actually. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's a few things to sort out, but basically you'd think in the summer it would be central midfielder, um, maybe another centre-back, uh, and maybe a full-back, and Alexis Sanchez, potentially, if they can't get him in January. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you, you wouldn't think they'd need an attacking midfielder, especially because, you know, if they were to get... I know Dele Alley's not had a good season, but for example, if you were to get a really good English... Attacking midfielder like that, Alley, it'd be so expensive anyway. Yeah, I can't see I can't see it happening too much for for the foreseeable future. Okay, cool. Um, how
0: do you think Aguero did against Swansea?
1: I thought he looked really hungry, and he. that goal he ended up scoring at the end. He was honestly he tried that about four or five times before, yep. and I was gonna I was gonna tweet early on. I was like, he's gonna score one of them goals tonight. You know, where he just kind of love like the, the Watford game exactly um his trick where he wriggles around people and puts it in the far corner because he was just trying it all night and obviously he got there in the end but it was a bit weird it didn't look like he was gonna when City had that break and Bernardo Silva played him in and he kind of overplayed it and you think that's a bit weird a bit sloppy but in the end he got the goal and he looked he looked sharper the other night I suppose with the caveat that Swansea weren't that good but he has looked sharper the other night than he has done recently yeah no absolutely and I think as I said I I said it in our um
0: in our preview to the, uh, to the Swansea game that I felt that we'd get something out of Aguero that he'd start and we'd get something out of him just because he didn't get on the pitch in the Derby. And mm. and for a guy who scored as many goals as he has in the Derby, he won't have liked that. So I, I fully expected the, the performance that we got out of him, which was, which I thought was excellent. Uh, okay. Anything else on Swansea you want to talk about or should we uh, cast our eye forward to Spurs a little bit?
1: Uh, yeah, let's look at Spurs. Okay, excellent. if I think If I remember anything interesting about Swansea. Oh, the music afterwards.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, was that the music? Was that City's music that I could hear in the dressing room, uh, in the press conference that Guardiola gave?
1: Yeah, it would have been, yeah. <laughs> that's the that, Honestly, that's the fourth game. That's the fourth City game I've been to at Swansea <laughs> since I started doing this job, and i have not heard it before. Right. Um, and, you know, people, like journalists said, at half time or something, they could hear the music before the game, and I was like, oh, yeah, all right. But then afterwards, I could hear music. I was like, Is that what you're on about? They went, Yeah. And they, they were like, Yeah, the, the away dressing room was just through there. And then, you know, Guardiola came in for his press conference and they mentioned it. And he was like, Yeah. But that's good. You know, they're enjoying themselves, kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, it was it, basically they were playing it until they left. Interesting. And, uh, and then none of the players stopped in the mix zone, which I suspect were orders so that they wouldn't be asked and wouldn't be able to talk about what happened at Old Trafford, which is understandable. Gotcha. But I asked I asked Aguero who was the music, and they, he said it was Sterling and Otamendi. Ah. So it was it was them two on on DJ duty on on Wednesday night.
0: Ah, okay, on Wednesday night. I'd love to know who was the DJ at Old Trafford.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, if I get the chance, I'll ask again. I probably should have asked that. But... Yeah. Hey, um,
0: is there a press conference today? There is. Okay, cool. Uh, okay, moving forward to Spurs. Uh, firstly, uh, what sort of shape are they in right now?
1: Uh, not great. Okay. You know, when City were probably in the middle of this run, like seven or eight wins in and obviously still unbeaten. And and to be fair, that was a run that was all competitions as well, weren't it? The yeah. winning run. So, and it was kind of like, right, the only team I can see beating City on paper in the Premier League... You know, City will lose at some point, I'm sure. Um, but I don't know who against. It's just going to be a weird result. But the only team I can see them losing to on paper a few weeks ago was Spurs. Mm. But Spurs aren't quite as, as slick an operation as they have been recently. And even then... You know, Napoli and Spurs don't play exactly the same type of game, but it's not as if you go and put City under pressure and you know try and work you know work your way out from the back and try and score goals. It's not as if that's the only way that you can you can beat them because we've seen that with Napoli. So yeah, so yeah, um, I think with Spurs it's it's a game that City can win now because they've not been in great shape recently. Um. I
0: wanted to ask you in particular about Son because I feel as though obviously, uh, Harry Kane and Deli Ali in general are the danger men or is kind of perceived as the danger men for Spurs. Um, but for me, I think that Son carries the characteristics that I think might be more problematic for City. I think because of the, because of how high our defensive line is generally and particularly will be at home, um, I think with Kane and Ali, there's not quite enough pace to really trouble us. Um whereas Son is a very, very different kind of threat. Would you go along with that?
1: Yeah, I suppose he he does kind of he has well, in recent weeks he has added a new dimension to their game. Um, and yeah, he, he he can you know, he was he was quite troublesome for City at the Etihad earlier in the year, wasn't he, when yeah. it was that like two two draw, but City should have won. Uh, but it's just all of these things at the moment, you've got all these little factors and little areas of concern. You know, like the set pieces at United last week or whatever, or the pace on the break of Martial. But I think still the main factor in in all of these games is the fact that City are good and their preparations, you know, stop, you know, generally stop the other team's strengths. So, yeah, Son is a danger danger man for Spurs, but I still, I, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I'm certain Guardiola will find a. A, a plan to do it and if that plan is executed throughout the 90 minutes then I'm sure they'll be alright and even if it's not you know Son might score once but he'd still kind of back sit yeah. do, you think to do that? It?
0: Do you think that Spurs will give us more of a game in the sense that they'll want to play a little bit more than uh, we've seen in recent weeks from United from some of the other relegation threatened teams that we've played?
1: Yeah yeah, de- they'll def- definitely be make more of a game of it but like I say that's, it's, that shouldn't really be something that will worry City now because if it hadn't been for those Napoli games you'd think oh that'd be interesting to see how they get on because you know obviously the Chelsea game, Chelsea didn't really go for it did they and obviously United didn't um, but yeah I think having seen the Napoli game and especially playing that game away from home at Napoli barring the first 20 minutes which may be a bit of a concern for City you know making sure they start quickly as well because they haven't always done that at the Etihad Um but, yeah, you know, I, I just think it'll offer City more spaces to exploit. And, okay. you know, against Swansea, they did that better than they did at Old Trafford. So there, sh- there should be plenty of opportunities for City there.
0: Okay. Um, Alderweireld is out until February with uh, what sounds like a pretty nasty injury.
1: Yeah, hamstring. Um, there's loads of weird long-term hamstring injuries these days. Like Pop- yeah. Like and Dembele, and uh, um, Barkley as well. Barkley's been out for like six months with a hamstring injury. I don't know what's going on. I wonder if it's personal trainers. Yeah, I wonder.
0: And that scar on the back of Barclay's yeah, leg looks in nasty, mate. Um, firstly, how's Davidson Sanchez done?
1: He, well, he's banned anyway. Um, oh, is been, he? Yeah, he's been good. He he has adapted well, by all accounts. But yeah, he's banned. He, he got sent off, didn't he? I um, can't remember who he was against, but yeah, he's banned. Oh, so at, at the back, it's going to be Tongan and Dia, or Dia. So not particularly quick.
0: Interesting, interesting, interesting. Interesting. Um, Okay, so what what do you how do you see that Spurs team lining up then? I didn't realise that he was banned as well. So that's so that's Deer and 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 Betongan at the back. Yeah, um, and
1: then yeah. So in midfield, what they've done recently is Winks and Dembele. So hell of a game for Winks to go into. Oof! Wow, Winks and Dembele. I mean, I mean may, maybe they maybe they've done that because Wanyama's not fit. Um, but if maybe if he is, may, maybe they'd play him instead of Winks but to be fair Pochettino does just Winks so maybe he'll go for it but yeah some, some, some game for that so yeah wow. basically that, basically that's how it's been working so um, the fullbacks kind of chop and change you don't know if it's going to be Rose or, or Davis or Trippier or Aurier but the centre-backs in the last couple of games without Sanchez have been yeah Vertonghen and Dia and in midfield it's been Winks and Dembele and then um, Ali didn't play in midweek it's basically been um, Ericsson Son and either Ali or Lamella, I think, and then obviously Kane up front. Did Ali get a rest in midweek? Or was yeah, but he well, it's he's he's not had a great he's not had a a great season, has he? Really, he's, he's been no. a bit disappointing because I I really like him as a player, but yeah, yeah he's been a bit disappointing. So I, I'm not sure whether he was you know dropped because he's not good enough or dropped to keep him fresh. But um, I don't know between him and Lamella. I don't know. I don't know who you. I like them both. I don't know who you go for against City.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I think, you know, I mean, Ali's obviously a top player, but I wonder whether Lamella might cause us more problems drifting in from from wide.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Okay. Uh, Give me a... Do you think City will beat Spurs tomorrow? I do, yeah. Okay. I'm surprised. I'll tell you something that has surprised me. More or less across the board, everybody, you know, whether I listen to podcasts from uh, other clubs or I listen to neutral podcasts, everybody's predicting that City will beat Spurs, and I'm I'm a little bit surprised by that. I feel as though Pochettino will come with a plan, and he's got, you know, it's interesting, like, last season Spurs purportedly had the best, you know, 11 in the, in the league. Um, yeah. And although they've struggled you'd still think that man for man they're one of the few teams that can probably get close to standing up for City in terms of the quality of players that they've got in position for position so yeah so it'll be interesting I don't know I, I can see them part of me can see them sneaking a draw but we're at home so at the same time I can see City, City putting a, a show on Do you, yeah you I, can see some-
1: be, I can see it being difficult and then having the potential to cause City problems but I'll just Really, rate City. Basically, I've just looked. Actually, Spurs' last four, last four Premier League away games, they drew the last one at Watford, and they lost to Leicester, Arsenal, and United. Oh wow! So they've not won away in four. Interesting. Yeah. The last one was that time they battered Huddersfield, which was the same day that City beat Chelsea. So that was ages ago. Wow, that's ages ago.
0: Christ, that's the uh, that's the the first weekend in October. Wow. Okay.
1: Interestingly, everyone for everyone saying they've got that. Wembley problem. Yeah, they've done really well at home and terribly, yes. terribly away.
0: They have. They have they've certainly turned turned that around. Um, okay. Rock and roll. So you think you think that uh that City will win? Give me a score prediction, Sam, because I love score predictions. Uh 3-1. Three, 3-1. One. Three, one. Nice. I think it might end up finishing 2-2. Two, two. I think <laughs> city City will take a uh, City'll take a 2-0 or a 2-1 lead, but I think that, that Spurs will will be the team that claw it back and and get themselves a point. Uh, Okay. Um, I want to wrap this, this, this little Friday show up by talking about the January transfer window and Virgil van Dijk and uh, Martinez from Real Sociedad. Is that correct?
1: Josh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yes. Um, so, you wrote a piece uh, which is on the Goal website for anybody who hasn't read it uh, about City's priorities for the January transfer window. So, why don't you talk me through what the priority is, who the players are, and what you think will happen?
1: Yeah. So, the priority is the centre back. It seems like they've identified. To, well, to be honest, it's not like there's been a new candidate over the last three months since the season started, it's basically Van Dijk who was the top target in the summer if they'd have decided to go for a centre-back at that point. Obviously, by the time they did decide to go for a centre-back, he decided to go to Liverpool, so there was other targets. Um, and Indigo Martinez was one of them, but their reservations about Martinez was, we don't know if he can come in and adapt straight away and take to the big games and you know have the personality to replace company or whoever. So that's why they ended up going for Evans in the end. who was a bit more senior. Um, it's the same trade-off now. Um it's Van Dyke, I think is the priority because he can well, they believe he can come in and yeah, replace Company or Otamendi or Stones or whoever. Um and they can do they think he can do that in the big Premier League games and the Champions League games, and they're not quite sure whether Inigo Martinez can do that. Um so yeah, I yeah, I get the vibe that Van Dyke is the preferred option of the two. But as for what I think will happen, I mean it depends on how much you know, Southampton's stance may have softened slightly, like Arsenal's, because they know Arsenal with Alexis, because they've thought, "Oh, we'll keep him; it'll be fine." It's not really been fine, and I think there's still a bit of bad blood between Van Dijk and Southampton. So, City may be able to get him for sixty. I don't know. I saw the Times did the story as well. Actually, interestingly, the same one as I did. Um, I think they. Oh, was, really? I think they. Yeah, they, it was on the back page of the Times today. Okay, I think and who they wrote missed, it. Uh, Paul Joyce. Who's the main man in in Liverpool circles? Interesting. What did Mr. Joyce say? Basically the same thing. That City are joining the race for Van Dyke and Inigo Martinez is another option. He put for seventy million on it. Um I think I, I don't I don't know Paul Joyce that well. I don't know his work that well, but I do know he's got an excellent reputation. I know his work very well. And, and does he, what would he he's... not would he not be close to Wasserman? The Merseyside Wasserman link, and Wasserman is Van Dyke. Very
0: close. He was the uh, journalist who wrote the story. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that because it might not have been him. But certainly, when it comes to Liverpool transfers in general, he's always on the money. Mm. And in terms of the Van Dyke saga, he's always been at the forefront of yeah. it from a Liverpool point of view. So, if he's saying that City are in, then and you're saying that City <laughs> are in, I was going to say. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, don't worry. Going to give You credit <laughs> no, to Sam. I know. I know if I know. you're saying I'm it checking. and he's saying it, then I think we can take it to the bank that City are in for, yeah. for Van Dyke. But the, the, only, the
1: only thing in terms of what I think is, yeah, it just depends on what Southampton decide to do. And the fact that if City, obviously desperate for a centre back now, um, Indigo Martinez, he's got a release clause of less than £30 million. So that may make him more viable towards the end of January, depending on what happens with Van Dyke. But yeah, I think their priority is Van Dyke's. Do
0: you think that it's the Do you think that the Van Dyke's transfer in January is the type of transfer that the club will not have a lot of patience for? In the sense that it's a deal that they'll either do quickly or they won't do. Um, Because what I'm trying to get at here is, if you sign a player at the end of January, there's actually not that many games left. Do you know what I mean? That they can that they can potentially play.
1: Well, um, well, yeah, because I mean, if they've decided now they want him, but they don't sign him until the end of January—that's six weeks. Just get on yeah. with it, get it done. Yeah. And obviously, what? that's how City wanted to do their business. They made a, it was a bit ham-fisted in the end. It, it took a long time for Walker and um, Mendy to get done, didn't it? And then Danilo came after the Alves thing went tits up, and that was it. That was the end of it. Um, yeah. There was nothing throughout August, but they did want to do everything quickly, and they did make a very fast start. Obviously with Edison and Silver. so I wouldn't be surprised if they try and put this in place as soon as possible.
0: Okay, yeah, wouldn't surprise me either. Okay, cool. Final um, transfer-related question: um, Alexis is obviously one that he, whose name still keeps getting linked with City. Mm. Um, I asked Marty Parra the other day, and I don't think he'll mind me saying that he he thinks that City will sign him on a free. Uh, in the summer. Um, do you have anything that would suggest differently, i.e. that will move for him in January, or do you think it's a summer move?
1: Um, I st- I still think that, you know, City could, could still do with him now. I know a lot of people will be saying, oh, they don't need him now because of the start that he's had, the start that the other, the other forwards have had. But I still think if you've got an injury there to Sane, if there's... Yes, fair enough. Sterling did do well on the left the other night, but you start you start getting a little bit short of options. So I could still think if City can get him now, they will. But as I said earlier on, you know it does depend on Arsenal, and if, if they're going to sell at any point, point. Um, and they might just think now they've made their bed, they're going to lie in it. And yeah. you know, so you know how stubborn Wenger is. I mean, maybe that does make sense. I heard that Wenger's, a- Wenger's agent, Alexis's agent, was going to meet with Arsenal in the first week of January to to kind of either see what. Well, to see what was going on from Arsenal's point of view and also tell them what was going on from Alexis's point of view. Um, But that's the the latest thing I've heard about it. Um, I'm sure if City could get him in January, they will. But presumably, if it's like the summer for most of the summer and Arsenal just say no, because presumably they won't get anyone in to replace him, then, yeah, the summer makes sense. Makes sense on a free... um,
0: And also just the fee that Arsenal would want in January just seems, you know, Arsenal, the type of club who they just seem so intransigent and and they were so intransigent in the summer and they they messed us around so much that I don't see why City would, like I I can see what you're saying about there potentially being a need, but yeah, for me, I just, I feel more like, I kind of go with what Marty says that I don't see why City would go there in January and go through the headache of trying to convince Arsenal to sell and get into a protracted negotiation where you could end up paying thirty million, maybe even forty million for a guy who will come in a free on a free in in five months. So
1: yeah, just the mad thing is, that, uh, Chris, who Chris our Arsenal correspondent who did a lot of good work on the Alexis stuff with me in the summer, he put in a feature the other day that I think this is just opinion rather than knowledge I think but he said Arsenal should accept bids of 15 million for Alexis in January one five which I thought was mental what that they will no I think can- he said that they should like I said I don't know if it's based on opinion or knowledge but that would be mad
0: yeah I don't see I don't see that happening I just don't see Arsenal if they weren't if they weren't going to take the money in the summer I don't see them taking the money in January because the yeah, money exactly, will be less. yeah exactly so um, yeah okay wonderful um, Sam thank you very much thank you Uh, Thank you to everybody who listened. This has been our Friday show on the 9320 podcast. We will be back on the 9320 player on Monday with a review
1: of the Spurs game. In the meantime, everybody have a lovely weekend and be safe.